Hey gang, this is a throwback episode in our series of mini-episodes and doing an episode once a day to remind you to go to the podcastthewards.com and vote for Set Lusting Bruce as the best musical podcast. I thought it would be interesting to show the roots of the show. Way back in September of 2015, um, I had Colleen and Tony join me, and we talked about Bruce albums in the 80s for the 80s Reboot Overdrive podcast. And we had so much fun, I decided that I wanted to do a Springsteen podcast every week. And the rest, as they say, is history. So here is our pilot episode. For the Romans, give me sight beyond sight. Greetings, Starfighter. You are about to listen to the totally super awesome 80s Reboot Overdrive podcast. Always remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Ready Player One. I'm 35, I got, I can still live a little bit. Yeah, I got to slow down now because like, you know, I'm married and everything. I can't stay out late no more. Can't be kissing all the girls all the time anymore. On Monday, Washington's RFK Stadium was the first stop on Bruce Springsteen's 1985 U.S. tour. It was the hottest ticket of the summer for 55,000 fans, though some couldn't buy it at the box office. We paid $80 each for a $125 service charge. They cost me $100 for the pair, which I think, according to the going rate, I think we got a pretty good deal. I bought nine and sold them to my friend. Then scalp them, because Bruce doesn't like that. Hello. And welcome to a special 80s Reboot Overdrive episode. Dave is out taking a break, and he gave me control of the bus. And you know Jesse Jackson is not going to talk politics. He's going to talk Bruce Springsteen. That's right. We're in a special episode. We're going to talk Bruce in the 80s. And I have two of my favorite longtime Bruce buds joining me. Please introduce yourselves. Colleen? Uh, hi, I'm Colleen McNamara. I'm from Chicago. Been a huge Bruce fan since about 1982 when I started high school. Good evening all the way from England. Tony Ginger here. Um, it sounds like England calling, England calling. <laughs> well, thank you very much for Jesse for having me on the show. I'm, I'm really very proud to be here. Being, being a fan, which seems like all my life, really. It's kind of funny sort of thing how Springsteen um, sort of blends in with everything I do in, a, in an odd kind of way. Yeah, so I wanted to start out with both of you. Kind of give me, you've kind of both said a little bit, but I'd like you to kind of give me a little background of your history. You know, when did you become a fan? What dread got you to be a fan? And then, you know, for bragging rights, how many times have you seen him live? So uh, we'll start with you, Colleen. Sure. Uh when I was in junior high at the end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s, uh, my sister was dating this fella, who's now my brother-in-law, uh, and he was a huge Bob Dylan fan. And I went everywhere with them as the annoying little sister. I made them take me everywhere they went, and uh, he always had Dylan on, where, wherever we went, in the car. And I just remember being so 
excited by this music. It was so different than anything else that I had been exposed to. And I, I mean, I feel like Dylan is probably a gateway drug to Springsteen for a lot of people. And, uh, and that's kind of how it started for me. I, I started wanting more out of music. I wanted substance. And I remember the first time I heard Springsteen and I thought, this is it. Like this, this guy can, he can do it. And I saw him for the first time and I had to wait until 85. I saw him in Chicago at Soldier Field. I did not tell my parents I was going. There was no, <laughs> how, there was no how, way they were going to allow me at 16 to go to Soldier Field with 70,000 people. That's great. But, uh, but it did. And, and that was the first of 49 times. 49. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and so just to give you a little background, Colleen and I met at Nashville in the 2014 show. Um, we had kind of known each other via online. Uh, Bruce Funds is a um, charity that had been started to kind of help people who had never seen Bruce perform live, get a chance to see live. And I mean, it's not, hello, my, (laughs) he wants to be on, Um, you know, not changing the world, but just trying to help people find, um, you know, a little bit of happiness, right? We take care of our own. And so Colleen and I met each other and we had a great time. And my favorite story is I was meeting, um, gosh, four or five Bruce fans. And my wife said, you're meeting people you'd never met. And I said, well, yeah, but one, they're Bruce fans, and two, I I think they're all female. She goes, well, you aren't worried about meeting strange people? I said, shouldn't they be worried about meeting this guy versus (laughs) me? And so um, we did. We had a blast, and and so we've stayed in touch uh, online. Now, Tony, I have not had the pleasure of meeting in person, but I feel like we know him via Twitter and (laughs) Facebook. So, Tony, tell us your Bruce story. Well, I suppose mine goes back quite a long time, um, and it's it sort of kind of starts unrelated to Bruce. I've, I've kind of played the guitar since I was nine, and so over the years I've, I've had various different heroes as such. Listen to lots of different types of music, and in actual fact, my, my, my particular genre, as far as music is concerned, is a lot more jazzy than it is rocky. I've never really been a rock guitar player, mm-hmm. um, and so um, Springsteen was always there with amongst others when I was younger, when I was a young boy. He, he was he was one of the more of the entertainer than the guitar player for me, if you know what I mean. Sure. It, it, it was the energy, it was the excitement, it was the amazement of the of the guy. And I think my, the first thing that really caught me, of course, be, being in England, um, was was Asbury Park and all these amazing places that were in the songs. And, and I think in my head, I could I could conjure up these these amazing magical places that that were right across the other side of the world for me. Yes. Um, I, I remember going to um, Asbury Park. I think my first visit was in the mid-90s, I think it was, and being took around to these places. And, and I kind of prepared myself to be a bit disappointed, if you know what I mean. Sure. It, it's just it's just a place. But funny enough, when I got there and started walking down the boardwalk and um, the, the casino and all these different places that I'd, I'd, I'd heard so much about in my lifetime for a long period of time, and there it was in front of me. It, it was like being in like, in like a dreamland, if you know what I mean. I do. Yeah, so, so I kind of started with um, my my desire for Bruce was the, the, the entertainment of him, the, the sheer power and the energy of the band and himself and, 
Of course, being a guitar player myself, trying to emulate that sort of small, that sort of that sort of thing when I was playing guitar myself when I was a young boy in bands, yeah. you know, trying to trying to be a bit of Bruce myself. Um, and as the years have gone by, it's, it's not so much as playing or the singing; it's the songwriting. Yes. And the, the man, the man puts pen to paper like no other um, in my eyes. It, it's it's quite extraordinary. It's like he he was stood beside me writing the story whilst it was happening to me. He was he was there narrating it and writing it down. And so when he, when I listen to a certain song, I think crumbs. That's about me. You know, quite bizarre. Good. And how many times have you seen him? Um, to be really truthful, I've no idea. Um, but I, I, I do know it comes to best answer. It, it, it comes to like whatever it is and a half because there was a half a show. I, okay. I, I, I went, uh, which is which is a, quite a long, funny story. But I think it was in, um, I think maybe Albany or Buffalo. And yeah. And without going into too much detail, I, I, I travelled over on the Thursday to see the show Friday. Um, in, in, I think Buffalo and travel to Albany on the Saturday and come home on the Sunday. And I, I, think, I think it was the Buffalo show, but I, I ended up being thrown out halfway through the show. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I could not believe it myself. Were you a, trying really... to record a, uh, a bootleg? Well, no. To be, I mean, to be honest, like, the, the tickets I had were right at the very back. Yes. Uh, I, I traveled all the way across the, the Atlantic to see Bruce only for a couple of days, just, just to see Bruce. Sure. So I, I was doing my damnedest to be to be in the front row, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so oh. I, man- I, man- I managed to sneak myself into the into the area before the show started. When unfortunately, like a security guard, sort of put his hand on my shoulder and carted me off. <laughs> okay, how funny! Yeah. Uh, so so what, what, yeah. whatever the amount is, it's always a half. <laughs> okay, that's great. <laughs> So I was, um, I graduated high school in 1977, um, went through a whole pop, you know, I was into pop radio and um, a lot of my friends were into Kiss and so I listened to some Kiss records and right out of high school I discovered the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson and became obsessed with the Beach Boys and... Um, I was dating who the lady who is now my wife, Linda, and a friend of hers was going to school in the New York area, and she said there's this guy named Bruce Springsteen that's really something amazing. And in fact, she told this joke that I don't remember, but basically you go through all the stages of biology, and then you know you get to the very top, there's the boss, and then there's God. <laughs> and and I I picked up the river and and liked it and you know and then I I picked up a couple of others but I lived in a really small town so there wasn't a chance to see him and then when I moved to Dallas every time he was playing in Dallas there was something going on with my son so I couldn't see him and so it wasn't till you know and I I I bought you know like everyone else in the world, born in the USA, and I, I bought Tone of Love and the live set, but I didn't wasn't obsessed. He was just someone I listened to, and then, um, 2002, you know, I saw him in the E Street Band perform after the 9/11, you know, the benefit. Yeah, yeah. And then I went and saw him in 2002, and. This is an off-quoted statement, but I believe there's a lot of truth in it. There's two types of people. The people that see Bruce live and go, wow, that was a pretty good little show. 
and the people that go, oh, my God, I want to sell everything I own <laughs> and go to every show from now on. I was the second. Indeed. Indeed. I think that's so true. And and I just – and, and I, I also – those first type of people. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I also was mad at myself because I had not – I had listened to The Rising but casually. <clears> so, boy – when Devils and Dirt came out, I wore that thing out. And then when he came to Dallas, I knew whatever song, you know, I knew whatever song from Devils and Dust, I was going to know it. And right. so uh, I'm now up to 10. I'm up to double digits. My wife is training for a full Ironman in November. So wow. 2015 is her year of exercise. She says if Bruce tours in 2016, every dollar she spent on getting to Iron Man, I get to spend on Bruce tickets. So there we That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, we have a mixed marriage. Um, she is not a huge Bruce fan, but she tolerates my uh, addiction. And she likes seeing the shows. Which is right. great. Yes, absolutely. So what we're going to do is kind of thank you guys for joining us. What we thought we'd do, since this is an 80s show, is I think we're going to just start just his albums in the 80s. We'll start with The River. I thought we'll you know talk about your initial impressions of The River, uh, what you may have liked about it, what you didn't like about it, favorite songs, favorite not. We'll do Roundtable, and we'll just make our way through the um, decade. Sounds great. Sounds good. Okay, go ahead, Colleen. So when I think about the river, um, and, and I had to go back to all of the albums after Born in the USA because that's when I sort of got into it. So the nice thing is, I think as you get older, you appreciate more and more what these lyrics mean, what these songs mean. And I love what Tony said about how it's like he's standing right beside you, writing these things as they're happening to you because that's really how they come across so often. He is the narrator of your life in so many ways. Mm. And when I think about the river, I, my favorite song by far off the river is fade away. And I think because of that, because when I think about, um, when I think about that song and, and I think that just the, to me, the overwhelming meaning of that song is I want to matter. Like, tell me what you want me to do or say, because I want to matter to you. And I think that's so true. I think for so many relationships we have in our lives and, you just you want to you want to matter, and I think he gets that, and I think he, I think he wants to matter. Yeah, I totally agree, and and I think it, it is just there's. Go ahead, Tony, and then I'll give you. I'll tell a funny story about the river. <laughs> well, the river's a funny album or double album for me, really, because out of all the songs that Bruce does, there's one particular song that I actually don't like at all. Yeah, uh, and, and that is the, the the track, the river itself. Yes. And it's really good. I, I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I, I, I've got a feeling that I had to play this song in a band at one point somewhere along the line. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it's, it's quite specific, so you have to get it right. And I don't yeah. think I was getting it very right at all at the time. It must have been a long time ago. And, and so the, the river's always been a song I don't like. And, I don't know, it's, it's quite strange. I think my, my, my first realisation of this was, I think, in the States again, when I went and saw him... Possibly Philadelphia, I think it was. Anyway, wherever yeah. it was. And the river came on, and it may well have been my first time in the States seeing Bruce. And I was just amazed at how the, 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 the stadium, well, not the stadium, it was like an like um, um, auditorium place. Yeah. And everybody, everybody just started walking out. It was, it was like a break time. Oh. I, I, 
I think it was like the river, and then possibly Mansion on the Hill was the next song. Mm-hmm. And I, could, I, I couldn't believe how all these people were just walking out because it was a quiet song and they were right. just going for like a hot dog or a beer or whatever they were going to do. And I was just staggered at this. But I didn't, I didn't disagree with it because like I, said, I, I never particularly liked the song at all. So the River album is quite a strange album. Some beautiful yeah. songs on there, beautiful songs. Like Golan says, I mean, that, that some of them are really close to the heart, you know. And I, I think we can, we can all, we can all relate to some of these songs um, at certain points in our life. As we grow older and get older, I mean, they, they were written by somebody at the time who was quite a young chap. Yeah. Uh, but, he, but he still talks about modern day things, and, and I'm, I'm sure they'll be still relevant in 100 years' time. Uh, the, the boy-girlfriend thing, the, the cars, whatever it is. I, I totally agree. Um, so one of the shows in the 2014 tour that I was at, um, somebody held up a sign and said, it's my 19th birthday, will you do the river? And so I'm telling, you know, I'm telling this story to my friend, Sam, and Sam's like, had he never heard the song? I mean, that's a depressing song to play on your birthday. Why would you, why, just because it says on my 19th birthday, you can pick a better song. Um, It is a depressing song. And, and, you know, is the dream alive, you know, if it doesn't come true, is just heartbreaking. Uh, I, 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 th- I think we've we've all been there. We, we've oh, all got absolutely. lots of lots of non-Bruce friends. Yes. And and of course, that the first song they quote is "Born in the USA." Right. Uh, and, and and that's pretty much all the songs they ever know. Yes. Uh, and um, like I say, a lot of, say a lot of my non-Bruce friends they 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 say, "Oh, Bruce Springsteen, that's Born in the USA, isn't it?" Yes. And I'll say, "Yeah, but there's a lot more to that." And that's just, and that's a fact. Funny enough, that's another song that not many Springsteen fans really like a lot. You know, it's, it's not a big song for a lot of people. Because you've got to listen to the lyrics. You've got to listen to what it's all about. You know, the this, this song is, every song is, has got so much meaning in it. So, Colleen, how about you? What are your thoughts on the actual The River song? Well, it's funny because I I feel very close to it in, in many ways because my brother and his, um, and his girlfriend had a baby very young. Uh, they were in high school. Um, so I think, I, I think a lot of the song speaks to that part of, their life, um, they're, they are happily married for 25 years with a 28-year-old daughter. So it's a great story, much like Bruce's sister. Um, but uh, but so it's always kind of meant something to me. Sure. But more recently, so I have in the last six or seven years made a very, very close friend. Uh, her name is Melissa. Jesse, you've had the pleasure of meeting Melissa. Yes. And... We went backpacking for um, several weeks in Asia a few years ago, and we had spent some time in Vietnam, and we went out on this overnight, they call them junk boats, and they, you know, it was a small crowd of about 30 tourists, and then the ship's crew, and they had a karaoke night, and everybody was singing, and they, you know, they wanted everybody to participate. And they wanted Melissa and I to participate, and we said we would only sing a Bruce song. Well, they had two Bruce songs only available. One was Born in the USA, which we did not feel comfortable singing. (laughs) I can understand why. So we were like, we ixnayed that. We said, no way. Yeah. Other song was The River. So if I could just set for two seconds the moment. Everyone is having the best time, laughing, drinking. It's this beautiful night in the... um, we were on the bay. It was just gorgeous on this great little boat. 
And then Melissa and I sing the river. It's the saddest song ever. Right. And everyone went to bed. (laughs) (laughs) So we completely killed it. So I have two very distinct connections to that song, um, which makes me love it so much. One, like I said, you know, my brother and my beautiful niece, Ashley. And then the, the second is Melissa and I being such killjoys of this party. Oh, that's <laughs> we awesome. Been, we would have been better off singing Born in the USA. Yes. <laughs> they would not have probably understood the meaning and it would have been just fine. Yeah, because they all would have like, yay, Born in the USA. Yeah. Born. Oh, hey, Kason, we know that. Yeah. But it, yeah, so so anyway, so I I personally love the song. Um, I think it's very touching. I think it's a beautiful song that he wrote for somebody that he cared about. And I, I just feel like my relation to it is very strong. Yeah. And it is a beautiful song live. I mean, you know, at the end when the band's playing and he's, you know, kind of just, you know, ooing and, you know, it is uh, haunting. Yeah. Um, it, I, I, I like it. Um, I, I actually like the river a fair amount. There is not a lot on the album I don't enjoy. Um, you know, some more than others. Um, I love all the fast paced. You know, I, I like. You know, you can look, but you better not touch. I, I love. You know, Cadillac Ranch, and I like you. I think Fade Away is really uh, beautiful. You know, I didn't get to go, but I did get a bootleg of one of the live shows where he did the river. And uh, it was cool to see all of them, you know, done in a row and uh, good stuff. Yeah, I would love to see the river, the, the whole album show. Um, yeah. Number one, it would be so greatly long. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you know what I mean? That would yeah. be that would be like the best part about it. And then yeah. you're right. There, and, and the thing about so many of those songs on the river are so many of those songs are live songs. Like they are the songs that when you hear them, like, like I'm not crazy about Sherry Darling, but when I hear that live, yes, I love it. And I have the live version on my iPod that I use when I, when I go swimming and I do my laps because it's just, it's so high energy and it's so fun when you can hear them laughing as they're singing. It's just, it's fantastic. You know, and, and I love the tradition of hungry heart with the live audience singing the first verse. And you know where that started. Well, go ahead and tell the story. It started here in Chicago. I wasn't at the, um, I wasn't at the show. Uh, it was before I had seen Bruce, but it started at the Rosemont Horizon, which is just um, on the very edge of, well, it's actually in a suburb outside of Chicago, but it's right on the edge of Chicago in Rosemont. And uh, he talked about it once on, I think, Jimmy Fallon. I think so. And and he told the story about how how he couldn't believe you know the crowd had sang the entire verse, and then the next night when they went to I think he said Kansas City or what the next city that they went to it happened again, and this was before social media or before anybody could sort of like alert the next group as to what's going to happen or how it's going to happen, and he talked about how super cool that was. Yeah, and and I still think that's a very cool. Uh, moment when they start playing it and and you know and it's it um i guess his first pop hit um i yeah. guess some of the other stuff have had hit the charts but not in the way that hungry heart had and you know once again it's a 
like many songs of Bruce, where it's all happiness and joyish, and then um, you know, and the lyrics portray the sound. You know, it's this poppy, you know, sound, but it's also, you know, I I left my wife and kids and moved on, right? So every interesting, yeah. So Tony, how yeah. about you? Ta-da, I'm yes. back. Yes. <laughs> so sorry. So sorry. No, no, no. That's great. We we uh, we just talked about um, hearing uh, "Hungry Heart" live, and uh, you know how we think it's cool that Bruce sings the kind of beginning uh, lyrics. Is there any other song on the river that you? have a special fondness for or something you you've shared you don't like the title track how about any other songs you may not care for or ones you mean anything to you i love them all to be honest at the end of the day yes, absolutely <laughs> i love them all really it's very difficult to have favorites i, I suppose uh, um that the river album is not necessarily a favorite album of mine it probably sits in the middle somewhere um, I'm, I'm very much a tunnel of love guy i love yeah. that album to pieces i love devils and dust yeah um, I, I, I suppose um Going back to what we were saying earlier about how these—I mean, I—I I, I always think to myself, Bruce sits down uh, with a pen and paper and a guitar, and he, he writes these songs. And these songs turn out to be sometimes just individual acoustic songs, or sometimes they turn out to be anthems. Yeah. Um, but they all start off with this. They all start off on this on the same journey of him sat down with a bit of paper and a guitar. Uh, and I think that's—I I, I always try to bear that in mind. Um, when you hear like Jungle Land, for example, these, these epic songs. Yeah, it's fascinating the idea that, you know, he, depending on the mood, you know, like I think Born to Run is a very different song when he does it acoustically versus with the whole band. Yes. Uh, you know, and it, and it changes the mood. I think, you know, as we move forward in our journey through time and based on the biographies i've read you know the record company was excited about the river and then they get nebraska <laughs> and they're going huh wait a minute what what happened what what about the uh what what about this momentum you were getting bruce uh, so colleen talk to me about nebraska so i i love the nebraska album i love how dark it is um i feel like it's probably, and now reading so much about Bruce, I mean, at the time I had no idea. I think it really speaks to kind of who he was at that time and what he was going through, uh, you know, with all the, the ups and downs and navigating this new stardom and this new this new kind of dealing with um, record companies. Yeah. Stuff. And so I love, I mean, I think Atlantic City is probably one of the, for me, one of the best songs ever written. Yeah. And, you know... Um, I, I just love the idea of redemption at the end, you know, like it's just, uh, it's just fantastic, but it is a very, very, very dark and haunting um, album. And again, like you can take some of these songs, like when you listen to Johnny 99 on Nebraska, it's so different than the song you hear live. Yes. And I just, I, I love that he is able to do that with a song that, that he can, like you said about born to run, like he can, he can take a song and play it one way and it means one thing. And then he can take a song and play it another way. And it means something completely different. Most fans know, but those who don't, um, you know, Bruce recorded this very minimal because he was just, you know, kind of recorded it. And I just watched um, the summer love and mercy, 
you know, the Brian Wilson Bayek. And, you know, they they talked about that he would record a lot of stuff and then the the boys would come back from tour and they already had the album laid out for him and they just had to sing their parts. Well, you know, Bruce had kind of done this for the band to record and, you know, people in his camp said, I don't think you need the band for this. I think it works perfect just the way it is. So it is as close to a one-man album you're going to get, right? <laughs> and And I love that as dark as the album is but there is also hope i mean reason to believe is a hopeful way to end the song uh, the album atlantic city they're going to try to work on something and and i do love how atlantic city has turned into an e street song right they do it often in live shows and it's a great power song considering you know the way it was when he originally recorded it Absolutely. Yeah. Tony, how about you? Um, the title track, Nebraska, is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, I, I remember I used, to, I used to have to get up very early to go to work and I had one of those little Walkman things, the little cassette Walkman yeah. things. And I had, I had the album on a cassette and uh, a guy used to pick me up about half past five every morning and it's mm-hmm. been freezing cold. And of course, I'd, put, I'd, get, I'd get out in the freezing cold shivering for this guy to pick me up along the road. And I'd have to, I'd have to hit the the earphones in my head, my head. Yeah. And of course, I'd wound the tape back to the start. So the first song I heard every morning was Nebraska. Yeah. And of course, yet again, been across the other side of the world as such. This this is a place that you know I've I really no idea where it is at all. Um, it's over there somewhere. And such mm-hmm. a such a such a brilliant story. It's I mean, of course yes, it's, it's a sad story, but 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 it's it's, it's 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 a different sort of way of life. It's a different culture from than what we have over this side of the world. Yeah, um, and so it's, it's it's not just it's, it's Bruce at its best. It's, it's yet again, like I say, I think the way he writes the songs, right from the beginning, right to up until to these, this day and age now, is very similar. Um, he, it's a pen and paper, and he sits down and writes a song. Yeah, I, th- I think nowadays production and so on, and studio and so on, they're a lot better than they were 20, 30 years ago. But of course, it's still the essence of what the man is trying to get across. The message is, in, is still the same, um, whatever the message may be. He, he's yeah. got something to say, and he wants to say it. So Nebraska was, of course, at, at the time over here, we had things like I don't know what so was it, um, the streets of San Francisco, um, yeah, the, the the chips. I think it was called chips, the California motorcycle police thing, right? Uh, and so, be, 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 you know what I mean? It's, it's all yeah. it's all part of that imagery for me. Yeah, um, it's, it's somewhere right across the other side of the world, like a different planet. Um, and this this guy's singing it to me. So Nebraska, the, the title track is a big track for me. Atlantic City, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with what you guys say. It's just an amazing track live. It's an amazing track solo. It's just a brilliant track. Yeah, I think quite quite yet again, the point for me is I, me- I remember being in Atlantic City, and it was the first time I'd actually ever really gone to like a casino type place. And we we got off the bus and walked into this casino. And I was just amazed that, as far as I could see, this building went on forever and ever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. I never been in a bu- I never been in a building so large in my life. Um, as far as I could, you, could, you couldn't see the far wall, it was just amazing. Right. Um, and so, of course, um, yet yet again, um, not not being American, being European, and such a British, um, it's it's quite a different sort of view on everything. You know, we 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 obviously didn't didn't experience this sort of thing over here. I remember that. I was reading an article about um, MTV and videos and how things were starting. 
and um, they mentioned that some people, and they specifically mentioned Atlantic City, that Springsteen did a video that didn't feature himself. Right. You know, um, and that was at the time really different. And, you know, and Bruce has never been someone who I think does what's necessary the smartest thing commercially. I mean, he certainly has had success, but I believe he's, you know, walking his own path. Um, I love Highway Patrolman uh, when when Johnny Cash does it. I just think that's a powerful cover. Um, yes. And, and, and I love used cars. Just the power of being poor and my... You know, my mom and dad divorced, and my um, my my mom did not work. My dad was in the army, and then when they divorced, um, we went through some tough times. And I can remember that feeling of worrying about money and the idea of you know I'm never going to drive in a used car again <laughs> is is something that's that's so. It, it's so it's such a strong statement, but he doesn't say it as in this, you know, as God is my witness, I'll never drive in a used car again. <laughs> it, it, you know, shades of gone with the wind, right? It is just this statement that's almost out of, you know, depression or something. What do you guys think? I, 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 think I completely agree with that. And I, and I think when I was in, um, in the seventies when I was in grammar school, you know, I went to a Catholic school and I remember that my parents bought the station wagon off of the nuns at my grammar school. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was humiliating (laughs) because everybody knew that the McNamara station wagon came from the nuns at the grammar school. And it, you know, it was covered in holy metals, which my mother thought would be bad luck to take off. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that song's, to me more than more than I probably ever realized like just talking about it right now like oh yeah I live that and I said <laughs> I'm never I'm never going to do this in my life yeah and then I did <laughs> uh, I have many used yes I, I suppose going back to what I was saying before about being across the other side of the world um, but then of course then Bruce talks about something like used cars it's quite universal I think we've all yeah. been there right um, you, you don't have to be you have to be human to understand it, and everybody's human, so they all understand it. Um, and I, I, I think that, that yet again relates to a lot of the songs. Um, he may well, he may well, may well be writing about a particular place in America, um, but over here in the UK, I can relate to somewhere here very similar in my circumstances in my lifetime. Yes, you know we have, and you know I, I get very unhappy when people will talk about, well, you know. Bruce is a millionaire and, you know, I don't need somebody like him trying to tell me about how bad life is. But there are things uh, to this day that I worry about that I cannot stop doing because of the way I was raised as a, you know, as a child. And so I know this had to affect him. I, you know, what I think is funny is the open all night um, during the Seeger segments became almost, as we talked about, a, no, a different kind of song. 
Yes, absolutely. Great, great fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you would not have, okay, let's pick a fun song from Nebraska. And there's that, I'm going to get the quote wrong, but um, <coughs> Ronald Reagan was um, talking about Born in the USA. And, you know, Bruce made a comment, I don't think Nebraska's, uh, you know, President Reagan's favorite album. Um, you know, but, you know, I think the beauty of that when, you know, and I, I love hearing that when I put in the Live in Dublin CD. And just the power and the energy in that is just amazing. Brilliant. And it shows the musicianship of the band. Yes. Uh, and and um, a lot of that is the friendship that's there as well within the core of the band. Yes. Um, I mean, I've, I've played in bands all my life. And yeah. Some, some bands, it's just like a job. Um, you, mm-hmm. like you turn up for the gig, you wouldn't even know half the people. Um, it'd be different people every week. Other bands I've played in, they're, they're, they're close friends I've known for 10, 20, 30 years. Um, and you just kind of know what you're going to do. Um, I, know, I know what he's going to do next, you know. Um, it's trust. It is yeah. trust. And, you Absolutely. know, one of the things I thought was fascinating is in a recent interview, he talked about, and I may get this wrong, but he said, really, when I, we do something live, I only need to coordinate with three people. Um, he talks about... The guy that's in charge of percussion, I can't think of the person's name, and then the guy who does the background singers, then I do the band. You know, Steven does the band. And so really, I just need to talk to those three about what we're planning to do. You know, I, I watch them, I watch the video probably at least once a week of them doing Joe LeBlanc in Australia. And, you know, he had not done that in years. And just all of a sudden... You know, they're talking to each other and they're, you know, they got Susie playing a, you know, solo and everyone's going. And uh, it, it's just amazing how well these guys play together. And when I say guys, I mean gals. Yeah. Too. I think the comment that, um, uh, what's his name, the guitar player that was with them in Australia, um, I can't think of his name now. Morello. Yeah. Morello. The, the, the comment he made about, um, he said something like it was the second or the third night before they actually played a song that he knew. <laughs> well, <laughs> which yeah. I thought was quite bizarre. He stood there, and of course, I mean, he has he has all the chord structures right. and everything in front of him on the floor. You can yeah. see what the chords are. Um, but he was he was stood there playing. He's, he's kind of jamming the songs, you know. Of course, he's good enough to do that anyway. Yeah, and I I know a lot of kind of getting us off for a moment. I know a lot of fans were unhappy he joined the band, but I thought. You could tell he loved Bruce's material, and and I just thought he had there was a joy in his face playing this music, and and I thought it was great. Uh, yeah. I, I loved the big band. A little like, huh? I was when when I kind of heard it at first, I I was very unsure. Right. And then the the very first time we saw him, I think it may have actually been in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, that was all gone. Yeah. <laughs> that was all gone. I, like you said, you could see not even just how much joy Tom had being part of it, how much fun Bruce had playing yeah. off of this new energy. Yes. Absolutely. You know, he's you know, he's also a Chicago boy, but he's um and a Cub fan. So I'm very much a big fan of right. Tom Morello, but he, I felt like you could really feel Bruce in the band sort of feeding off of his energy, like this new energy that he brought to the group. I love the bigness of the E Street Band these last few tours. 
right? You know, oh. huge horn section, the background singers. I mean, they are just, it is, it is a rock and roll orchestra. And to, and to, I mean, I know like some of them are newer and haven't been there since the seventies and the eighties, but just to see how they've all sort of grown with it. Like none of them have sort of stayed stuck. Yeah. They've all sort of improved on who they are. Nils is, you know, taking it to another planet. It's like, they truly are the epitome of the older they're getting, the better they're getting. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just think it's, I think it's remarkable. Yeah, it really is that, uh, we'll move on to what most people think of, of Springs in the eighties is the born in the USA. And, um, before we talk about the album, I got to tell you the story. So I'm in Houston, Texas. It's the third show within a month. And I'm so excited, you know, I'm, I'm going to see him again. And so I, um, and it's a good show. I mean, Houston is a great show. Uh, it was the one my wife got to join me because she didn't go to Dallas or Nashville, but she was in Houston. We had a great time. They did One Step Up was a request, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, right? And when we get to that album. It's the end of the show, and everyone's wandering out, and this lady is kind of drunk, and she's like, is it over? And I'm like, yeah, it went three hours. It was a great show. But he didn't play Born in the USA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he doesn't play. But that's his biggest hit. I go, it's actually kind of rare when he does Born in the USA. I mean, he's done a little bit with The Wall this tour, but that's not – But Really? He's not going to do Born in the USA? <laughs> yeah. People and, here, people think I don't get it. Yeah. And, you know, it is weird. Tony, I had shared with Colleen before we started the call that when he was in Dallas for the free NCAA show that uh, they did, um, it was more hit-centric. He does not go to the well of born in the usa that album as much as you would have thought i mean colleen you answer you tell me you just saw you too did they play most of their hits no oh they didn't no i don't think so i mean i think they played i'd say probably about half of the songs people were expecting to hear okay well very good i mean they they played you know they play a lot of their new music um well good and things like that. So okay, because um, I know most pop, you know, people, they're going to get those hits. And in fact, um, I had a real good friend went and saw Tom Petty, and he said, "This is the kind of show that a Tom Petty fan would hate because <laughs> he did every Tom Petty song I wanted to hear." And I know the diehard Tom Petty, you know, fan is sitting there going, no, no, just, you know, don't do that one. We want to do this. And, um, (laughs) you know, and my friend also is a big Bob Dylan fan. And, you know, he says that Bob is doing kind of the same set list over the past few years. That's a kind of mixture. But, you know, at times he won't play his biggest hits either. I, like everyone else in the world, uh, picked up Born in the USA. In you know, I first bought it on cassette, then I later got it on CD, and you could also call it Bruce Springsteen's greatest hits because I think almost 
every song on this thing, if it wasn't released, it's gotten heavy radio play, right? So after all this time, as both diehard Bruce fans, what's your thought on his most popular album? I mean, I do like it. It's probably in, I mean, it's always hard to pick favorites, like Tony was saying, but it wouldn't be in my, in my top. But for me, so many of these songs to me are just live songs. They're songs I want to hear live. I don't ever find myself going to this album on my, you know, on my phone and, you know, queuing it up to play the whole album uh, just for me. But I will go to live versions of all these songs because um, I love them so much. Like, I love my hometown. I think it just, it hits so many, you know, key parts of, you know, what I think about where I'm from and what that means to me um, being like a child of immigrants and sort of this really is, you know, like we were really taught to sort of embrace this as like home. And uh, so, I I mean, I do like the album overall, but it's not, it wouldn't be one of my tops. Tony. I I, I would think it's an album that had to happen. Uh, It's very commercial. If you know what I mean, that the songs are shorter they're, they're they're a lot more radio friendly. Um, they're, they're a lot more wide based um, subjects, if you know what I mean. And it's, I think it's kind of an album that Bruce had to do at some point. As a favourite of mine, yeah, some brilliant songs. Bobby Jean, brilliant. It's, it's it's a funny album because most people make that sort of album, and it become it becomes their like tombstone. Uh, Bruce made the album, and then just carried on doing what he, what he's always done is is writing music and getting it out there, whatever it is at the time. Um, born in the USA, I think it was a lot more. Um, this is what you've got to do, Bruce. And he was influenced the technology. What I mean by the technology, I mean the sounds at the time, the modern day sounds um, in the production of it all. So it sounded um, saleable, if you know what I mean. It, it was meant for the mass market. Uh, and I suppose there's probably a lot of Bruce fans out there now who are fans because of the fact they listened to that album and loved the album, loved the songs. Uh, but then got a lot more into the deeper side of what he's about and the, the actual meaning of some of the songs other than the Born in the USA album, if you know what I mean. And yeah. I and I feel like that's a perfect way to sum that up because th- this was my intro to Bruce and it hooked me. I mean, it certainly hooked me, but I, I feel like now being a, like you said, like just kind of getting into the deeper of it, um, it, it it is it's it's a much more radio friendly sort of i loved how you said like it, it's an album he had to do i think so too I think that's yeah true. and you know i i've often my friend sam and i like i said he's you know we're we talk about what if this had not hit what if it had not been you know the mega album you know what would have bruce's career been would you know who would he have been like would he have been you know, um, this someone respected, but not a, you know, global star. I, I agree. And I got to tell you, I know, you know, like a good insult is, um, you know, blank's favorite Bruce Springsteen song is dancing in the dark. You know, that's, that's a wonderful insult to throw somebody that they're, you know, uncool. Um, but I will tell you, anytime I hear Glory Days, whether it's live, whether it's on an album, or whether it's just on the random radio, I get a smile on my face. I think of the video. I, 
I laugh, I joke, I just love the energy of that song. And I know really maybe a lot of fans would go, oh, God, not Glory Days again. But I did. I just still, it has not gotten old on me. Like, I could go, I don't need to hear Born in the USA anytime soon. I, th- I think also, I think that um, I might be wrong in saying this, but wasn't wasn't Born in the USA the first CD? Um, that was the, that was the first album that came out on CD. So it was like a technological time. It was like digital music was coming to the fore all of a sudden. I think vinyl was going right. out the window, yeah. and and all of a sudden we've we've got this new format now. Uh, and so everything was. I mean, CBS or Sony, whatever at the time, were trying to build this big thing up. And I think Bruce's Bruce's Born in the USA was the first. Um, CD that come that album to come out on CD, uh, which was the, which was like the, the the click word at the time. This is a new new revolution in music, and so it, ha- it had to be very commercial. Um, but yet, but yet mm. again, the songs, if like I was saying earlier, the songs are still written with him and a bit of paper and a pen and the guitar. Um, that's how they all started. Um, uh, and, and he wrote about things he knew, and I think that's you know. And oh god, yes. what I do love about. What I do love about Born in the USA, though, is how misinterpreted it was over here and how it still is misinterpreted over here. I mean, you can't go to a Fourth of July fireworks extravaganza and not hear Born in the USA. So I kind of <laughs> like how he sort, of, he sort of snuck that in. And if you don't get it, it's sort of a joke on you then. And I, I kind of appreciate yeah. that. Because and, so many people have yeah. have been told many many times, like this song does not mean what you think it means, and and then they still they still kind of don't get it. So I kind of feel like it's it's kind of a funny joke on you. So <laughs> I like how, he, and I feel like that's sort of on purpose. Yeah, I mean they put they put it as you know Ray Charles, America the Beautiful. And then, you know, Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, and they both are beautiful songs, but they do not mean the same thing. Um, Yeah, and I I like, um, you know, they just recently some, um, they did a cover versions, right? They just this past year, um, a lot of independent artists, you know, kind of, you know, did a, a version of this, all this, and I thought it was really well done to look at it. I, they played No Surrender at the Houston show. And, you know, two brothers got on stage and the video's out there if you want to look. But, you know, one of the brothers says, I I kicked, you know, I pulled my brother out of school to go to this show. And they came and they knew every lyric and they were, you know, there was just pure joy on them doing the show. Yeah, it is amazing. Downborn Train is my brother's favorite song of Springsteen. So and such a great song live yeah and and i think that's it it i'm you know like i love working on the highway with bruce spitting yeah, out so do I. I mean just just i you know it just i love it 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 is and so there is plenty of fun stuff on the album uh, the the working on the highway song always reminds me of a particular time it, it was in earl's court in london and, and bruce played working on the highway and i was i was so lucky because i was dead center i think second row from the front and I was that close that I could see the plectrum ping out of his out of his hand whilst he was doing the song. So when it came to the end of the night and, every, and the lights are up and everybody's starting to leave, I went straight to the front of the stage as Kevin was starting to pack Bruce's gear up. And I remember shouting up to Kevin. I said, Kevin, Kevin, make an old guy happy and throw me Bruce's plectrum, please. I know it's on the floor. It's down there. And I pointed to where it landed. And Kevin bent down, well, looked at me first of all, with a strange sort of look. Uh, thinking I'm an older guy than he is <laughs> and he picked the plectrum up off the floor 
and he, and he threw it to, to me. He must have been, I don't know, or five or six feet. He had to throw this piece of plastic towards me. And, of course, on the floor, it was all that metal grating type stuff. Loads of little squares like a metal great grid across the floor. That means if I didn't catch this thing, it would have gone straight into this metal grid and never, never be seen again until they lifted the whole grid up. And was, I don't know, it was like slow motion. This plectrum came through the air and I put my hand up and I caught it in my hand. And I, it was like, I mean, for me, it was like winning the World Cup. It was amazing. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That is a great story. Absolutely. You know, and it did. It, it, I mean, it, it dominated. It, it came out. I got married on June 2nd in 1984. Uh, my birthday is June 3rd, 1984. And then Born in the USA came out on June 4th, 1984. So pretty, pretty good three little days in a row. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and just everything about it became iconic, right? You know, the cover, you know, his, well, my, you know, arse looked better than my face. And um, <laughs> he went to to the stratosphere. I mean, he was just out of there. And, you know, I do think it's, as Tony put, I, this needed to happen for him to get the success of, to use a sports analogy, if you're a manager of a sports team and you win a championship, you buy a lot of forgiveness and support from your fans, unless you're from Chicago. And, Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, I think Columbia Records, right, I think accepts now what Bruce wants to do because, one, he has a, a base that will buy his material, but this made them so much money, right, that uh, uh, he got a little bit of uh, extra. And it would be fascinating to see how many of the other albums sales were directly because of this one, you know, you know, Colleen, I don't know if you're a fan, but my other obsession is Dr. Who and blink is an episode that is not a typical Dr. Who episode, but it is a great gateway episode to get people to like the show. And I think this is a gateway album that you start there and then you kind of move them on to other things and you can then you get them to a live show and you've made another obsessed fan. Right. Yes. Right. <clears throat> uh, anything else about this one we want to cover before we move on to one of my personal favorites? I, I, I think I think the last thing I would like to say yeah. um, on, on, the, on the whole thing, really. Is when I talk to my friends about Bruce, my, my musical friends, who sort of question, question my obsession as such, yeah, um, I kind of I kind of say to them, "You've got to bear in mind this guy's just like me and you, apart from the fact he's ultra talented, because yeah. he still he would still be doing this if he hadn't made a penny. Yes, he'd still be in the bars, just like I play, just like I'm playing bands now. Fifty five years old, I'm still playing now. He'd still be doing it too. It's what he loves doing for money or not for money. He'd still be doing it." And so the commercial aspect of Born in the USA, um, it's, it's, it's not a byproduct, but it's kind of a bit of a byproduct of him wanting to do what he wants to do. Um, he's, yeah. He'd be writing songs if he made millions. He'd be writing songs if he made one dollar. Um, that, that, right. that, I think the money aspect, the money side of it all, um, is kind of byproduct. The fact that he loves doing what he does. Um, I, I think, hence the fact that a couple of weeks back in the Stone Pony where he, where he turned up and played for, for a couple of hours, didn't he? 
Yeah, it's who he is. It is who he is. And, like, um, you know, just this past, you know, in the past few months, he's played with his brother-in-law's band. You know, he's jumped on and done it. I mean, he loves making music, and it's the joy he has. It was interesting. Before we get to our next studio album, he then, in 86, released the live set. And, um, you know, I remember being all excited about getting this. Uh, Picked it up, you know, in the albums. I still have. I don't own many albums still. But I still have my Bruce live, you know, in albums. So what are your feelings about the box set, uh, Colleen? And is there anything particularly you love out of that one? Um, Well, I love the whole thing because it was so much great music in one convenient package, which was fantastic. Um, I remember having it on cassette because it's all I had in my car uh, at the time. But... um, (laughs) I know we talked about the river. I love the story he tells at the beginning of the river on this album about the trouble he had with his dad and sort of going to, um, you know, getting called up for, you know, the draft at the time and going and then coming home. And, you know, his dad keeps saying, like, I can't wait till the army gets their hands on you. And then and then when he can't go, how his dad is, you know, relieved and relieved in the way that my dad would sort of express it feel like they're probably very similar union guys, you know, take the bus to work, wear a hard hat kind of thing. So kind of, I I feel like that, I love that story. And I think that's one of the things I love about so many of the songs are the stories that he tells beforehand, because at this point I had only seen him one time live. So (laughs) I didn't have that sort of connection where he would, you know, where he's so um, comfortable engaging with the audience and and just hearing that was enough at the time. It just, um, I just thought it was so cool that he would like tell all these great stories before he would then launch into these beautiful songs. Yeah, I agree. Um, wonderful stuff. Um, you know, I had not realized that, you know, he had written Fire. And, you know, when that came out, I'm like, wow, that's, you know, how much, how much good stuff has this guy made? Um, I do have to tell a quick story, and then I want to hear your thoughts, Tony. Sam should be co-hosting this because I'm telling a lot of Sam stories. But <laughs> Sam said <laughs> that um, back in the early internet boards or something, uh, someone said, "I can't believe that Thundercrack didn't make the set list." You know this thing. And Sam said he almost went in and says, "Oh, it did. It's the very first song on this." <laughs> Um, then later he realized that that's Thunder Road and they were talking about a different song Uh, so we like to pick he he likes to bring that story up to saying that he was glad he did not make a jerk out of himself by going there Uh, Tony how about you yes I thought it was great how about you Tony Um, I love it because it's live Yes. And it really sounds great, too. I've never been a big sort of bootleg-type character. I don't possess, like, all the shows or a back catalogue of all the all the back bootlegs. Yeah. Uh, and this, this is a fantastic live album, full stop, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but to hear, to hear these songs, um, even now, they're still, they're still full of life, even now. I mean, we, we've all seen Bruce. It doesn't matter how many times you've seen him. If you've seen him once, you, you, that's it. That's enough. 
Yeah. Um, because it, it's just beautiful. It's wonderful. So it, 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 the amount of times you've seen them is neither here nor there. And you can listen to this album and you can think of all the different times you've been and all the different places and friends I've met and so on over the years. Um, it's, it's just a wonderful album. I love it. I love it to pieces. I, I have it in my car now at the moment. Yeah, I uh, have um, – my car allows you to um, – it has a hard drive, so when you put in a CD, it burns it automatically to the hard drive. So you have all these things, and you know this is often in my rotation – you know, right. I love a lot of the songs. I think, and not to compare um, Barry Manilow to Bruce Springsteen, but <laughs> I, I think it's interesting that, you know, I Write the Songs was not written by Barry Manilow. It was actually written by Bruce Johnston, who was has been a member of the Beach Boys for many, many years. And I... I think it's funny that Jersey Girl was written by Bruce, right? Right. Because it yep. sounds such like a Bruce song. And um and it's not. And um I, I you know, and I think it's amazing how uh Bruce kind of made this his own. Yeah, it, it's it's a wonderful album considering you know, a lot of people had not seen him. And so this gave you a great feeling of what it was like. And I love that they included This Land is Your Land, different versions you would not think they would include, and a great retrospect of his uh, career. I've, I've got to tell one more story about the, the, the box set as well, which is quite a funny story, really. Is is when, when eBay came out, and there was a, a Levi jacket on eBay, and it was a promotional thing, and it was all embroidered on the back, the seventy-five, eighty-five embroidery thing. It was a with CBS Records embroidered on the sleeve and everything. And I wanted this. I had to. I had to own this. I had to have this Levi jacket at all costs. Yeah. Unfortunately, at all costs meant it was about it was about half past eleven at night UK time uh, when the auction finished. I'd yet. I'd, I'd obviously been to the pub. Um, and the price was going up and up and up, and I must have paid about two or three hundred pounds for this jacket, which is about four hundred and fifty odd dollars for this jacket. But I was pleased I got the jacket. Very it was only nice. then It was it was only then that I realised that it was like a medium, and there was there's no way I was going to fit into this jacket ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> I must I must say I, I I have tried over the years to wear the jacket. And it was quite ridiculous, but I'm quite pleased in it. <laughs> you could frame it and put it on the wall. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> oh, that's always great. stay offline, Tony. When you've been to the pub, it's never good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you think I'd know by it's now, wouldn't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. That is yeah. good. Then we go to his um, Tone of Love album, and if. And this is what kind of led to why we're having this discussion and kind of give you a little behind the scenes. Um, on 80s Reboot, um, about a month ago, we uh, – about three or four of us talked about your pick for top albums of the 80s. And I made the rule that I could only pick one album, uh, one artist per selection. So I couldn't pick multiple things. And so – I could have picked really any Springsteen album, but I picked Tunnel of Love. And and in, if I had to get down to one album 
This may be the album I pick that I like the most. You know, as you guys are talking, you don't like to pick favorites. I love Wrecking Ball. I love The Rising. You know, I, I am, because I came to Bruce a little bit later, I'm not as in love with the 70s albums as many as some, though I recognize their greatness, because they don't have the emotional connection to me that some of these others do. Uh, there is just something about this album that I really love. How about you guys? Uh, what I love most about the time, so I was one of those people who wasn't that down with Tunnel of Love. I mean, I like many of the songs, sure. but it wasn't sure. until Melissa, who I've mentioned, my my Bruce fan, and I like to call her the other, um, the half mother of Flat Bruce. Okay, she um, she absolutely loves the CD. Yes, at, or and. And when she kind of said to me, she's like, you have to listen to it from start to finish because it is a story. You have to listen to it as a complete and entire story from the beginning to the end. And in doing that, it changed the entire way I think about the album. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of taking it as one song here or one song there, that you, if you listen to them all together, it's really gives it a different feel and sort of um, is much more powerful. And so you like it a little bit more now? A lot more. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Tony, how about you? Um, Tunnel of Love, I think, like yourself, is, is probably my favorite album. Um, I, I absolutely adore every second of it. And it's really quite funny because it probably contains my favorite track. I probably have three favorite tracks uh, okay. out, of all, out of all Bruce's music. And Valentine's Day is, is one of those tracks. Um, I've never seen him play it live. If I knew he was going to play it that night, I would move hell and high water to be there. Yeah. Um, I've never seen him play it, and it's really quite funny because I think I had it on a, I had it on a cassette, and what, what it was the actual cassette I was given had Tunnel of Love on the on the B side of the cassette as such, but on the A side of the cassette was a lot of songs that I had to learn for a band that was playing it at the time. Right. And, and it was back in the days when you had a cassette player in the car and it had the automatic thing that would turn over to the other side. And so I'll be driving where I was driving to during the day, trying to listen to these songs I was supposed to be learning. And the, the tape would end on side one and automatically turn over itself onto side two. Sure. And so Tunnel of, Tunnel of Love would be on there. And I think, I think I'm right in saying I, I listened to Tunnel of Love for about three or four or five years and not realising there was a, a track at the end of it called Valentine's Day. Because, the track, because by the time the tape went through, the last track wasn't played. Yeah. Uh, and years and years went by, and I never really realized there was there was a track at the end of it I never heard. Of course, once I'd heard Valentine's Day, that was it, stuck with me forever. I loved, loved the song. Uh, but the whole album, like Caroline says, it, it is an album that you... It's, it's like a story in itself. It's a whole complete story. Um, it's like watching, um, I don't know, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. There's no point in watching the, the films in the middle. You've got to watch from the start right yeah. to the very end. And the same with that album. It, it is a it is a, a very moving, very touching point in Bruce's life. I think, I think he, he does write a lot about his self, his self and his situations and his personal side of him. We've we've seen that a lot more recently, um, but this particular album is 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 where he, he writes about um, from the heart. Is 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 it, and it's the pains from the heart. But yet yet again, we've all been there. He, he wrote songs. Or I'm sure we've all we've all had emotional times in our, in our lives, and he, he, he writes songs as if. You know, he was stood beside me at the time. And some of those songs sit on that album. 
you know, in an interview, some critic once said that it is the story of a marriage falling apart. Yeah. And um, and and I think when you listen to it from that perspective, it's true. Um, I, I did want to share a story that isn't my story, but I thought it was a beautiful story. Uh, a guy named Brian Bishop was on the 10th Avenue podcast, uh, which is um, Adam Carella's wife, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on her name, does um, a podcast about Bruce on a kind of irregular basis, uh, Lynette. Um, and Brian told the story that he was fighting cancer. All that heaven will allow has the final chorus saying, now some may want to die young man, young and gloriously. Get it straight now, mister. Hey, buddy, that ain't me. Because yeah. I've got something on my mind that sets me straight and walking proud. And I want all the time, all that heaven will allow. Yes. And when I heard that story, and I had heard the lyrics many a time when I thought about that, it gave me chills to think of and, – and, you know, Bruce – I think the magic of Bruce's songs is there is something there for everyone. And whether you need to be inspired, whether you need to be comforted, whether you need to feel sorry for yourself – you know, there is a song out there that will help you feel that way. So I thought that was pretty amazing. Yes, indeed. I, I mean, and that's my I mean, favorite song on that CD. Yeah, I, I, I love that song. Though, yeah. Now I always feel bad for the bouncer, though. I I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm gonna get. I'll make it up to you. How? You don't have any money. What? And you aren't gonna be able to buy her a coke or anything when you dance. But, but I think I'm being a little too literal. But yes, I, um, I, I love that song. And um, we'll fill this house with all the love, all that heaven will allow. It's just a beautiful lyric. So, absolutely. I, I suppose I, I can't. I can't talk about Bruce without talking about. Uh, my partner in crime is such a lady called Jackie Barnett. Yeah. I mean, me, me and Jackie performed together for about 15, 18 odd years together now. And she, she's as big a fan as what I have and has probably been to the same amount of shows I've been to. Mm-hmm. We, we usually go together. Uh, but of course, we, we, we do our own our own music as in, as in Jackie Barnett herself. Yeah. But one other, one other thing we do do is we, we do a lot of Bruce Springsteen tribute type um, shows. Yes. And, and, and of course, what you have is me playing acoustic guitar, Jackie singing. Um, so you have you have you have a lady singing all these songs, mm. and um, all that heaven will allow is usually one of, probably the one we usually start the night off with. Oh, I think that's pretty. You, 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 I mean, we've all heard Bruce sing this song so many times. Yeah. But when but when you hear a lady sing the song, and the, the whole the whole emphasis is quite different um, how she sings the song, which is Jackie's quite a deep register. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a high register; it's quite a low register, and so. And it's, it's it's just beautiful because it adds such a wonderful touch to the whole thing. It's like a it's like um, I don't know. It, it has it has a real a, a niceness. It's, well, that's what it's, it has a female touch to, to, to a wonderful song. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, it's kind of like the you know, will you still still love me tomorrow? I think is a great song. But when a guy sings it, it's a totally different kind of song, and it yeah. has a different feeling to it. Uh, we are running short of time. I know we're going long. Uh, Chimes of Freedom was a little bitty uh, release he did uh, in 88. Anything significant or thoughts about that? As a as a Dylan fan, and yes. like I said, um, I would put Dylan on an equal pedestal for me as Bruce. And I've yeah. seen Dylan 
probably about as many times as I've seen Bruce. Um, some, some better than others. Yeah. Uh, which is always the fun part about going to see Bob Dylan is you never really know who you're going to get. Right. And uh, I saw him this Christmas. I saw him in December at the Beacon theater in New York and he was amazing. Yes. He, he was so great. It was, it was really fun and whatever. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm very, I feel very connected to times of freedom. I'd love to see Bruce, play a Dylan song live. Yes. I've never seen it. We were in Prague a few years ago and somebody held up a sign that said blown in the wind Mm -hmm. and Bruce started to laugh and he said, that's that other guy. Yeah. And, uh, but then he started to play, (laughs) he started to play the first part of the song and Melissa and I started jumping up and down and we were so excited. And then he was like, nah, forget it. And he played something else. (laughs) So I was like, oh, Close, even though yeah. that wouldn't be probably the choice of the song no. that I'd want to hear, but I would, uh, I would take it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've, you know, I, I haven't heard him live. You know, I've heard them doing Forever Young together, and and certainly, you know, that would be cool. I, I think that would be really cool. Um, I was able to go see Brian Wilson this past summer. He's doing a solo tour, and Bruce showed up at the um, tour when it was in Jersey, and he went on stage and you know, play guitar and a couple of songs and help sang. And my friends, my wife and my brother-in-law said, you, you could die that night, couldn't you? I mean, <laughs> Brian Wilson, <laughs> uh, Bruce Springsteen on stage together, You right then, you could die and your life would be, forget seeing Chris have kids. <laughs> Just that would be it. I said, pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> yes, indeed. Absolutely. I just wanted to thank you both. This was a blast. Um, I'm going to have to figure out a way for us to do this about the 70s and the 90s and the 2000s. And that, that sounds great. Yeah, because this was a blast. Um, tell us how we can reach you if anyone wants to give you feedback. Colleen? Uh, I am on Twitter at CMCubFan. Um, so feel free to reach out to me there. We also, I, Melissa and I, the girl that I was talking about, uh, who is, uh, we say we have the best work friendship ever because we love to travel and we love Bruce. So we can put those two things together all the time. A friend of ours made us a flat cardboard cutout of Bruce Springsteen that we have Uh taken all over the world. He's been to, I think like 20 countries, 30 States. I don't know how many cities, um, a lot. He has been uh, in the cockpit of every airline you can imagine because that's where he fits best, behind the pilot seat. Yes. Um, (laughs) So getting him on planes is always very stressful and very comical. Um, But so if you follow me on Twitter, you will see many pictures of him out and about. And he's always really fun. And he brings so much joy to so many people. So many people love Bruce. And that's the one thing that we love about when we take our flat Bruce out is just how many people get so excited to see him? It is. I was honored to sign the back of Flat Bruce and get my picture taken with him. And yes, it is like when Colleen is going across the state line, you know, they take time to stop, put Bruce in front of, welcome to Texas. Oh, yeah. There's Flat Bruce, you know. And it's just <laughs> yeah. a I've seen great. the pictures. Yes. Yeah, I I try not to show those pictures to my parents because then they realize that we are stopping on the middle of the expressway. <laughs> and Getting out as trucks are barreling by at 80 miles an hour, and it's it's not the safest thing, but it's worth it. <laughs> Committed, you understand? Yeah. And Tony, you actually have a um, 
try to make a little uh, money off your love of Bruce, though I don't. I think you do it more out of love than it is commercial. Um, as, as far as being commercial, not at all, really. I, I, what I do like is I like to put smiles on people's faces. Yes. Um, I, I try to do things that I know that I would like or other Bruce Bruce fans would like, um, and that's really that's really the essence behind it. Um, I don't know. We kind of started off with with a lady called Candy as well. I mean, Candy makes all my jewellery, and I won't go into detail, but there was there were some particular reasons why I wanted to work with her and not build a business at all. I mean, I, I do. I, I've got a normal. I've got a normal job, if you know what I mean. Sure. Um, this is this is something I do on the side, and I, I enjoy. I enjoy when people say, "Oh, I love it. I wear it all the time," or whatever it is, whatever they bought, or the, the car stickers sticks in my head at the moment. I, yeah. I went to like a Springsteen convention thing we had over here in in June. And um, it was about a two-hour drive. We got there. We parked the car up in the hotel car park. And as I'm walking down through the car park, I could see all these other cars uh, that had come for the convention, all with all with the, the the ESB stickers on the back of their cars. Yes. I think I've never I've never seen so many all in one place. It was it was amazing. <laughs> um, I yes, I have my ESB sticker and I have my Bruce Buds uh, guitar pick that I put on a chain next to my TARDIS. Uh, you know, thing that I wear. Yes, so absolutely beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. Where? What's the website where they can reach you at, Tony? Oh, right. That's um, www.brucebuds.com. Yes. And Brucebuds.com. Your, and your Twitter handle? Tony Ginger, T-O-N-Y-G-I-N-G-E-R. All right. And I am at Jesse Jackson DFW. Um, there is a slim chance someone will send me a um, nasty comment about politics. Um, but mostly I talk about Dr. Who and Bruce Springsteen on my, yeah. And every once in a while they just include me. And I, I always reply back, wrong Jesse Jackson. Um, this is, you know, wrong one. I am, um, I'm obsessed with Bruce and Dr. Who. So um, I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you. Please give us a, uh, your feedback and let us know if you want us to hear talk about the 70s and the 90s but i'm going to end with now a life of leisure and a pirate's treasure don't make much for tragedy but it's a sad man my friend who's living in his own skin and can't stand the company you gotta love yourself for now guys happy set listing and we will talk to you soon bye thank you guys bye bye We hope you've enjoyed this show. This podcast is part of the 80s Reboot Overdrive channel on Southgate Media Group. You can follow us on Facebook on the 80s Reboot group page. We're also on Twitter and Tumblr at 80s Reboot. We invite you to check out all the wonderful podcasts and blogs available at southgatemediagroup.com. And thank you for reliving the 80s. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 